want this on the podcast. High energy. Let's go. We've got to be hyped because Rob Perez, NBA Twitter's finest worldwide wob, is joining the program here on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm JP Chunga. We'll get into the beef between Donovan and Paul Millsap. Why, Paul, would you do that? Why, when you block a shot, would you go to Donovan, stare him down, and then ignite the fire? I want this. Donovan runs this. Playoff D. Game four, another masterful performance. And I'd say this is a star is born. Donovan go on the big stage and being brought into everybody's eyes. But I think it lends itself to what George Carl said on the last show of Round Ball Roundup. It's a leveling up. It's Donovan going from the all-star caliber player, and he made the all-star team this year, to that big jump to the rarefied air, to the elite level of players, to the type of guys that can change and win series single-handedly. Now, he's gotten huge help from Rudy Gobert, from Mike Conley in these last two games, from everybody else, but this is the type of elite play where he can carry you over the top and make it not competitive against a better team. Look, Denver earned that third seed, and as the six, Donovan and the Jazz are wiping the floor with them. Last game is what I expected more of this series. Very competitive, very tight, very close. But Utah's gotten two blowouts. Game three was a complete bare-bottom spanking. It was over two minutes into the second quarter when it's up 20 for Utah. Donovan isn't a star is born. It's the leveling up to that elite echelon of players, and he continues to do it. That's why I had the take last show about how I'd take game one Don over game two Don because 50 points is an insane effort. It's pretty special to be in that air. You are the stat. It's Michael Jordan. It's Allen Iverson. Those are the only two guys to do it in the same playoff series, and then it's Wilt Chamberlain to do it in a playoff run. Donovan's doing it in his first 20 games in the postseason. And this comes as a huge surprise. Look at last year. Against Houston, he did struggle. And he has talked about this the entire year, how he kept the box score, how he looked at that playoff failure as trying to right the wrong. Well, now he has an opportunity to do it and close out the Denver Nuggets in five games as the lower seed here on Tuesday night. Tuesday, 4.30 Mountain Time. TBD, when it comes to Game 6, we don't know if we need it. Donovan Mitchell is the playoff Week 1 MVP. Now, it's a little small sample size. Sure, 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 sure. Two games, 50-plus points. And he did it last night in an entertaining fashion, going back and forth with Paul Millsap, doing it with the swagger and confidence that you want to see out of a new star. That's the leveling up. And doing it without Boyan Bogdanovich. Can you believe that? Without Boyan Bogdanovich, who was so huge during the regular season. I mean, the guy hit two game winners for this team. Doing it without him, very impressive. The other thing that you have to take away from this two-pack of games, Mike Conley back, and Conley offering what this team needs when it comes to playmaking and when it just comes to shooting. Look at his first game. Game three, he starts 6-6, six six, ends up with seven threes, 27 points. That's the Conley that Utah looked favorably on 
from afar when he was with Memphis. He returns from Columbus and just dominates. So effective in the way that he played. Letting Donovan have a night where he doesn't have to go off. Just the 20 points on Game 3. But it was a complete run off the floor for Denver. They had no answer. You can tell the Nuggets just don't have enough playmakers. They only have two guys. It's Jokic and Jamal Murray, and if they don't create anything, they don't have things to go off of. Michael Porter Jr., too much of a defensive liability. Whoever has the ball and is at the point for the Jazz, switch on to Michael Porter Jr., and then you're good. And then the other option that you have is attacking Jokic at the rim because that guy can't defend two guys. It's why Rudy is so, so valuable. Rudy can guard two guys in the pick and roll, and as a result, it makes you go away from the rim. He's a deterrent. Jokic isn't that. You can go right at him. And in the early moments of Game 3, there was a concerted effort to get Rudy the ball. Saw it in his final live where he has a double-double, 20-14. and 14. That was the Rudy game, Game 3. And when you say Donovan is the playoff MVP through Week 1, it's through no fault of Rudy's or anybody else's play. Like, Jordan Clarkson continues to go for playoff career high after playoff career high, and he's the third most impactful player on the floor? That's how different Donovan is playing in these first two games. Such a high level, and such a level that we haven't seen before. Conley in Game 3, he sticks a shot from distance after Denver goes on an 11-point run. They were pulling within 14, quells it, makes the shot, and Utah continues the route. That's the type of stuff that he brings. In Game 4, he added another punch, 26 points. Four of eight from three. The difference between game three and game four is the fact that Mike Malone and the Nuggets, they made the adjustments that they had to have made in game two. That playmaking problem that they have, they addressed it by putting Monty Morris into the starting lineup alongside Jeremy Grant. That's going to be their best lineup. I know Torrey Craig, he had given Donovan trouble earlier in the year and in the bubble, but that is no longer the case at all. And then Michael Porter Jr. just being a liability defensively, they had to get him out of there. They need creation out of somebody other than their two-man game, and they tried to find it with Monty Morris. They need to find a point guard, otherwise it looks like this. The other thing that they did was get back to that offensive rebounding. It's why Quinn has highlighted in every single media availability, every single press talk, it's been battle of the rebounds. How are they going to rebound? These are going to be three-point shots that you're going to have to collect. So it's not necessarily going to be the bigs. It's going to have to be the smalls that also grab those rebounds. Denver had 17 O-boards and 27 second-chance points. That's what kept them in the game, that and Jamal Murray's shot-making. Otherwise, this is another one. Neither team could defend on Sunday night. And I suppose if you're Utah, you had to expect one of these games out of Denver. It was Donovan that pushed it over and won the game for Utah. He's the reason for the 3-1 advantage, and he's the reason why I'm sure some are looking ahead for Clippers or Mavericks. Game 5, Tuesday at 4.30 Mountain Time, AT&T Sportsnet and also TNT. Stay tuned for game time announcement on Utah Jazz's social pages. We'll let you know time and where to watch. Now. Let's talk about the beef. What's happening in the series with NBA Twitter's finest, 
He's a new host over at FanDuel and the Sports Grid. He's Rob Perez. You know him late night with Wob. This man, if you follow his name during an NBA night, you will know what happened. Donna Wob Mitchell last night. And then also joining us is Angie Treasure. She's the voice behind At Utah Jazz, the reason why you saw the spider sensor. She made the connection with Rob, so she joined us on this interview, and we started off talking about this series. Donovan Mitchell's always had it. I don't even know what the definition of it is, but uh, the it that I'm talking about, there's only so many players at the NBA that you down the stretch of games that you can go to a guy and just say, there's eight seconds on the shot clock, you're 18 feet away from the rim. Just go get us a bucket, please, for the love of God. We don't care how or why. Donovan Mitchell, I think, very quickly has ascended into that very limited fraternity, that club, if you will. So it shouldn't surprise us that he's putting up these statistics, that he's performing at this level. It's more so just a consistency thing against a legitimate defense. Because this Denver Nuggets, uh, what the resistance that we've seen, they might as well put on one of those hats. The What do they call them in Spain? The Matador hats with the... That's that's what we're watching right now. So to Donovan Mitchell's credit, take advantage of it until they stop you. From my perspective, I don't know that general NBA fans thought that this series was going to be as entertaining as it is. Did you expect this kind of head-to-head one-two punch from Jamal and Donovan in this series, or did you expect it to be more Denver-centric? Well, to your to your point, if you put Donovan if if you removed the words Utah and Denver from the front of the jersey and you did LA and New York, they wouldn't stop talking about this series just because major markets and the, the caliber of play that we've seen. Mitchell putting up 57 points and then it goes head to head with Murray in the 40s where neither guy could miss the quality and the purity of the basket making in the past, at least in game one and game four, not, not the blowout games, but just the purity of the basketball that was being played is entertaining for any basketball fan, let alone the fans actually listening to this. So I, from an X's and O's standpoint, it is a chess match because you've got Jamal Murray, who's been asked to go out there and carry this Denver Nuggets franchise as if it's an and one mixtape. Like there is no resemblance. It's just him go and do while the Utah Jazz have exploited Denver's biggest weakness and they're just hammering it until they realize it. So it is, it's a chess match in which one, one side has the queen and the other side doesn't. Because if you have a queen in chess, as many of you know, you've got a big advantage. And it's Utah, uh, surprisingly, who's holding it. Why did Paul Millsap go at Donovan? So at the end of game four, after Donovan Mitchell has proceeded to drop about 42 points on the Denver Nuggets on about, let's call it 80% shooting, uh, Paul Millsap swats the ball out of bounds. And it was one two-point game at the time. And he stares him down, looks back, get that blank out of here. Like you had the audacity of you to high step into the end zone for a touchdown when you were practicing. It felt like you were down the equivalent of 30 points. Like no one high steps and celebrates in the end zone when you're down like that. What happens just 15 seconds later? Donovan Mitchell, the one time the Nuggets decide to play defense, Paul Millsap is caught out on an island about 32 feet away from the rim against who else? Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell gets this look in this eye like, you got to be kidding me. Like, there's no way that the world just, the planets, the stars aligned like this. And Paul Millsap did his best. I mean, he was practically inside his shirt. But when Donovan Mitchell gives you that kind of half spin, hezzy, this left hand, like straight into the step back, he starts getting bouncy, jumpy. He jumps into his jump shots. And you know it's going in. 
I'm like, what, what purpose did that serve? Why did Jamal Murray have to film Donovan Mitchell after game one and say, hey, you got 57 points? That's just bulletin board material for a killer like that. Leave him alone. Don't give him engagement. Too late. Stop. Was the step back three the most watched clip from this series that you've posted? Or has there been like an iconic Wob tweeted moment from this series yet? Where's the clout? Yeah, where's the Wob clout in this series? Donovan or is it Jamal? Like who's carrying the, the water for this? It's the two stars. So I, I admittedly did not post a single tweet or video from that game because I mean, first of all, the content that shared on the internet is different than like a pure good basketball game. Game four was just awesome to watch. Uh, just from like being a basketball fan, that doesn't mean that like a major dunk happened because I could have filmed Nikola Jokic getting exposed in the high pick and roll. Um, put it this way, Donovan Mitchell in the Utah Jazz, even Quinn Snyder is coming down the court every single possession with a sign around their neck that says, we are going to run high pick and roll. Sometimes they disguise it a little bit with Donovan coming out of the corner. It doesn't matter. We are going to run high pick and roll. You're going to guard him with Nikola Jokic. All right, please confirm. Please check the terms and agreements box. Nobody reads the terms and agreements box, especially Mike Malone, because he agreed to this for 48 straight minutes. And they just put him in uh, 35 feet away from the rim every single possession. And guess what happened after he started getting burned by Mitchell getting free lamps? They started dropping Jokic back out of the high pick and roll. And Donovan just had a C. He was galloping in the in the, the grasslands of the court, like completely wide open and free. He was shooting free throws as two pointers in addition to all the free throws that he shot. So I think your question was about like, what has been the moment here? It's been Murray versus Mitchell because they're just going back to back. But the problem for the Denver Nuggets is that Murray has to perform at this insane level of creativity and shot making just to compete with Mitchell getting to the rim and shooting free throws. Let's not discredit the fact that Donovan Mitchell got like half of his points from the free throw line. That's because he was attacking the rim all night and Denver couldn't do anything to stop it. Jamal Murray could not get to the rim because there's a guy waiting there named Rudy Gobert who's playing great straight up defense for 40 straight minutes. So Jamal Murray has to be the, the highlight show. So he may get more love on the timeline, but Donovan Mitchell was using brain power overall. I think that was something too that like observing what Nuggets fans were upset about in last night's game, they felt like the Jazz got, the, the free throw disparity was way too wide. Um, yeah. Which when I, when I was a younger fan, you were like, oh, how could the refs possibly blow the whistle 20 more times for this team? But you watched them play. Nuggets just were not driving to the basket the same way. Donovan was like diving to the rim every time. So it, every, I forgot the exact numbers, hopefully our, maybe our producer here as I speak can get the exact free throw advantage that Utah had in game four. But whatever that number is, I think it was a 20 plus free throw differential. That had nothing to do with the referees who's favoring the Utah Jets. No, if you look at the box score, that's the first thing you think about. But you watch that game, the whole reason was because they were at the rim attacking these guys, putting pressure on them, while Denver is living out on the perimeter. To Denver's credit, Jokic and Murray were lights out. It was working. They were trying this threes versus two strategy. But if you play a game for 48 minutes and there's 120 possessions per game, it's a lot easier to get layups and make free throws than it is to do this and one mixtape stuff that you're relying on Jamal Murray to get you to the finish line. 
So they earned every, what felt they earned every single one of those free throw attempts and they got the nuggets and the bonus within the first six minutes of the quarter, three out of four quarters. So you have to play six minutes without fouling. You can't even go for a loose ball without getting penalized at the line. There's a reason. If it was a fluke, it would have only happened in one quarter and they would have piled up all the free throws that one quarter. It happened three out of four times, Angie. It sounds like you have a vested interest in this. I do. There's underlying anger in yeah. this whole discussion. I do. Well, the people listening to this are, I'm assuming, are Utah Jazz fans. And I'm a New York Knicks fan. Like, normally I would just be, don't have a dog in the fight. I'm watching this as just a basketball fan. I have a, my own financial reasons uh, for pulling for the Denver Nuggets. But they're getting their ass kicked. I mean, they really are in every facet of the game. So they, Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell are playing each other equally. You cannot say the same about Rudy Gobert and Jokic. Jokic may make more threes. He may look better on offense, but Gobert is going to just dunk this dude into middle earth, into a little pile of dust at some point. Because Jokic can't, all you got to do is just throw the ball up there and he's going to go get it. Jokic isn't defending anything until Mike Malone realizes that you have to take Jokic. He is such a liability on defense. You have to give him the Isaiah Thomas treatment from back when the Boston Celtics, when he was the king of the fourth, putting up 40 points per game. He was, he was doing it for his sister. Like, remember that story? Isaiah Thomas was getting exposed on defense, and they had to hide him in the corner. You have to find a way to hide Jokic in the corner on either Royce O'Neal or Ingles. And that's not going to work because Quinn Snyder is actually smart. Then he's going to take Ingles or Royce O'Neal and run them off, ball, use him for the ball screens, and they'll just pick and pop. So I don't know how you get three straight games out of having Jokic on the floor playing defense when the paint is just the parting of seas every single time Mitchell puts his head down. It's insanity. Is that count as saying something nice about Royce O'Neal right there? <laughs> How did that so start? Can you explain yeah, this? Yeah, let's get a little background okay. and say something nice about Royce O'Neal. Yeah, so I've been doing this late night, just post-game show. After big games end, you know, there's no schedule to it. But um, the, the commenters and the, people, the, the audience and the viewers, it's a, it's a live engagement show. It's on Periscope. So while I'm ranting like I am right now, I do keep my peripheral vision on the comment section in case I see something that I want to call out, that I want to expose, that I want to speak about. You know, it's, it's difficult, but it's sometimes I run into a situation in which a commenter says, hey, say something nice about Royce O'Neal. And then I kind of stopped in my tracks and I was like, Royce O'Neal? Like, that's the most random thing in the world. Say something nice. I'm like, well, he's got a really cool name. Uh, like, you, call him, you can nickname him Rolls Royce O'Neal. And from that moment on, the comment section just starts spraying, uh, not hundreds, but like what felt like close to a hundred compliments about Royce O'Neal. I learned he's from Idaho. I learned all these facts about him. People started sharing stories about Royce O'Neal's uh, Baylor summer camp. And I'm like, what? How, am I, how have I missed this, uh, this story in Royce O'Neal? So it has become so popular that we closing ceremonies of our broadcast include say something nice about Royce O'Neal because people keep finding nice things to say about him. It's, that's it. That's the story. What was the latest one? What was last night? Royce O'Neal is not Paul George. That was a compliment, you know, just like <laughs> things like that. <laughs> just some people pick out the smallest thing. He had a, he had a good shooting night. Royce O'Neal makes his first shot every time in this series. Royce O'Neal's true shooting percentage is this, this, and this. It's just something different, and I'll just read them off. I don't even know if they're real. 
Like I bet people are just BSing trying to get a shout out. But you know what? It's positive energy. And I feel like the world needs positive energy to some extent. Thank you, Royce O'Neill, for being our lightning rod of it. Have you ever considered creating a secondary graveyard that's for getting your shot blocked right in your face the way that Rudy blocked Jokic's shot in game two? So yes, that's actually part of the rules of the graveyard is if you get dunked on, it has to be, it can't just be like you're in the frame. You have to get legitimately dunked on, knocked over. I'm the judge and jury on this. And I won't let anyone into the graveyard that doesn't deserve it because there's poster dunks every single you know night. Like poster dunks that you'll see on all those networks with the shocked emojis. Oh my God, he dunked him. Like, no, no, no. There's only so many that are actually worth that. So now part of the rules of the graveyard are if you get buried, you get out of the graveyard. If you, for example, Rudy Gobert uh, just meets somebody at the rim and blocks them the equivalent, like a nasty block, will get you out of the graveyard. And that's why Rudy Gobert is not in the graveyard, because while he may get dunked on, he's stopping people equally from getting to the rim the same way, just because when you're a center that, could, that goes to block shots, it's going to happen that you're going to get dunked on at some point. It's just the law. It's just math. Like, it's got to happen. These guys are too athletic for it not to happen. What's impressed you about what Luca did yesterday and just Luca throughout the first week of the playoffs? I'm not really surprised by his talent. I'm not surprised by his shot-making ability. I, I, he's living up to all the hype uh, coming out of Spain. But what surprised me is that he's in year two of his career. So when he's able to rally a team of veterans because this Dallas Mavericks team for the most part is built of veterans. He's able to rally them, not even at the conclusion of year two to him, that this is my team as a year two guy. In addition to that, when number six on Dallas, I don't say his name, but when number six on Dallas misses the game with a knee injury and he's the second most important player on the offensive side, at least in on that team, Luka Doncic could not walk 48 hours ago. He can barely walk up the tunnel. You go down 20 to who I believe is the best team in the NBA in the Los Angeles Clippers. You go 20. 99 out of 100 players in this league, even stars, would say, we'll get them back in game five. Like, what's the point of being out there? I, might as I got a future ahead of me. I got a super max extension. I don't need to go out there and risk this ankle for a down 20 against a team we can't come back from. Not only considering all of that. And Luca went back in. Put the team on his back. He didn't just exist on the court. He was the one responsible for getting the team back. So I can be impressed by his James Harden-esque step backs, right? He creates insane amounts of space. And I can speak to his footwork because he studies James Harden's tape. And in the fact that he can do all of these things so quickly in his career is a testament to his talent. But it was the leadership. It was seeing the other players buy into it. And the fact that he didn't give up, he didn't roll over and just die like so many have done before him was probably what was most impressive and something I didn't even think was possible with him. Because all the stars in the past, again, they would have rolled over. He didn't. Do you ever find it necessary? You, for those of you who don't follow Rob on Twitter, which is probably not any of you, but Rob usually provides a safe space for fans of the losing team. Do you find it necessary to provide a safe space for Kings fans after Luca has a night like that? Yeah, I, I mean, we've had a couple of them. And I, the draft, look at the Nuggets in the, in the Jazz draft histories. So 
you can speak as highly of the, the Nuggets drafting all their great players of Jokic, Jamal Murray, Bol Bol, the list goes on forever. But then they also technically drafted Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, who they traded to, to Utah. I know that was all part of like, you know, trades uh, pre, pre-existing and everything, but it's just going to happen. But at some point there's a generational superstar that just seems like you can't miss on. And if you pass on him, and he ends up working out that you're like, oh no, like how will we ever come back from this? And the Kings, I think are going to end up falling into that bracket because at least the Suns are going to get something out of DeAndre Ayton. Trey Young is going to be an all-star. Like you can't feel bad about having those guys, but Marvin Bagley, I got to see something from you other than a shoe contract at some point. Like I know your Pumas look nice, but you got to perform for Kings fans not to be like, oh my God, we passed on this guy. They're going to have to live with that for years and years and years to come. Franchise have survived. Look at the Portland Trailblazers. They survived the Brandon Roy injuries. They survived drafting Greg Oden over Kevin Durant. Made the Western Conference Finals a couple of times. Like, it's doable, but you got to have the light. got to have something there. I mean, Kings fans, every day is a therapy sh- session for them because they haven't made the playoffs in – don't they lead the league in consecutive years not making the playoffs? I feel for you. You are West Coast Knicks. Can Luca do it? Can he upset the Clippers in this first round? No. No. Kawhi's too good. So a lot of things get lost in the game last night. Luca was obviously brilliant, but Kawhi Leonard's too good. And when Kawhi Leonard uh, comes out of the huddle saying, I got this guy, you have to beat the finals MVP four out of seven times. And the Clippers have such a luxury because Pete, Paul George, God bless him, like I, I, I pray that he has a good game because he's not PG-13 anymore. He's PG-13%. When PG-13% goes out there and does PG things, you have the luxury of going to Kawhi Leonard and Lou Williams and guys like – and you have Marcus Morris out there who's going to hit the big shots, who's doing it for the Knicks until he got traded. You have so many guys that can just pick up the slack, and you find the one that's got the hot hand that night. They are made for trench warfare. And if if number six on Dallas, if his knee injury is actually a real thing and it's going to be relevant throughout the remainder of this series – how do you expect Luca to do what he just did on a very fragile ankle at least two more times in a three-game series? That's asking a lot against the best basketball player in the league, in my opinion, is Kawhi Leonard. Editor's note, just before, before Angie goes, number six on Dallas, Chris Dapps Porzingis, for, for those who are listening. Voldemort. <laughs> yes, do not say his name. He is the Voldemort in this house, to me at least. We have a very <laughs> personal beef. <laughs> How did Reggie end up switched on the loop? How did that happen last night? How do you let that happen if you're Doc? What's going on? So I'm glad you asked. I actually did a film breakdown of this. Everyone thinks I'm here for just jokes and everything, but I dove into how how did Reggie Jackson end up on Luka Doncic 35 feet from the rim? So the way that it, the play started, this is credit to both Rick Carlisle and Max and Cleaver. So Reggie Jackson is standing in the corner. What happens first is an off-ball screen by Maxi Kleber. I think it was a flare screen that gets Reggie Jackson caught up. Now, are the Los Angeles Clippers, like many other teams, are they in a switch-everything defense with the game on the line? Because usually in these circumstances, you don't want to get caught in a screen and give up an open three, so you just switch everything and you live with the result. So regardless, I don't think that was the case because Kawhi Leonard came out of the huddle guarding Luka Doncic. He was face-guarding him 
uh, before the play even started. So if you're in a switch everything defense, you don't start on Kawhi on Luka because you're assuming Kawhi is just going to float and follow him around and will switch depending on where he runs. That wasn't the case. And that's a big factor because Maxi Kleber has just screened Reggie Jackson in the corner. Now Reggie Jackson is trailing Kleber because they have switched. Kleber then runs to the three-point line, sets another screen, which gets Kawhi Leonard completely caught up in it. And to the not to the credit of Kawhi Leonard, he didn't fight through it. He just stood there, and Kleber puts out his arms and just kind of creates a plow and makes Reggie Jackson, now guarding Kleber, have to go out and get Doncic before it's too late. So Kleber then just runs to the rim. He eliminates Kawhi from the play. He sets three total screens. And of course, it's PG 13% is the one guy who doesn't switch when he gets screened by Kleber on the three-point line. So Kawhi's out there. Honestly, it was just good screens that created some confusion. And Kawhi settled. He straight up settled on just guarding Kleber and said, Reggie Jackson, go get Doncic and just deal with it. But yeah, of course, in hindsight, that should absolutely never happen. Screen assists, real stat. It is. He set three of them. I mean, it, the, and the screens were legal too. These were not Draymond Green screens. These were, these were, he was standing there and he eliminated people from the play. The whole purpose of the screen usually is getting a switch in those situations. So he not only got Reggie Jackson to get on him in the first place, but he got Reggie Jackson, put the bait out there and he got Reggie Jackson outside the three point line where Luca, who do you think he's getting the ball? I mean, gee, who do you think it's going to? How do you not switch every single time to make sure Kawhi is on that man? Or at least you get through the screen and double. And you think Doncic is going to throw a 35-foot pass to the lane on a seed to Kleber standing in the middle of the lane for the win? Absolutely not. No chance he's passing that ball. Go double him. They didn't. And they, got, they paid the price for it. So does Mavs Clippers go to six or seven? I just I, they don't have enough firepower to pull that off two more times if Doncic does this again I will come back on here and read a 200 word apology to Luka Doncic if he's able to pull off this series because it would be different if he was going up against anyone not named the Clippers okay they are going to for we haven't even talked about Patrick Beverly coming back yet so when Patrick you know he is in his hotel room just foaming at the mouth wash everyone else has uh, everyone else has orange slices. Like, you know how your parents make you orange slices and at the soccer them. game, mm -hmm. right? It's like a nice yeah. little thing. You know what Patrick Beverly does? He washes down his sweat with a nice glass of nails. So the scene from Club, Clubber Lang and Rocky Three, uh, that he's, Rocky's out there signing babies. You better believe Patrick Beverly is in his room uppercutting slabs of meat, figuring out ways that he can bother Luka Doncic. And I has gone. I have gone as far to say that Patrick Beverly is not a dirty player, but he just happens to create these situations for himself, where his knee is always finding other knees, where his foot is below people when they jump. But he plays really hard defense, and he's going to create these situations for himself. I don't think he's a bad person. I don't think he's a dirty player. But he's going to be on annoying the absolute hell out of Luka Doncic when he comes back, and that's until Kawhi Leonard and PG thirteen percent get their hands on him in the fourth quarter way too early, but how would it look for a matchup between the jazz and the Clippers? What are we getting this Jordan, Michael Jordan Clarkson, one of the most ludicrous things I've seen. And as someone that backed the Denver nuggets coming into this, part of my reasoning was you got to be kidding me, right? If Niang Clarkson, Tony Bradley and Morgan can beat the deepest bench in the NBA four out of seven times. 
because in an NBA game, the benches primarily play at the end of the first quarter, the beginning of the second for about four to five minutes. Then they come back in at the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter to spell the starters and give the stars some rest. Usually the Denver Nuggets send out hockey shits of bowl balls and Torrey Craig's and Monte Morris's and they wipe your league clean within 90 seconds. That's what they've done all year. Well, when Jordan Clarkson is out here shooting 60% true shooting percentage on a 30% usage rate, for those of you listening, usage rate means how many times the percentage of that player is involved in the final result of the play. Jordan Clarkson is currently in almost Russell Westbrook territory in terms of being involved in the plays, and he's being efficient. What's the famous tweet? It's Jordan Clarkson time, in quotes, with Jordan Clarkson saying it. Like, it is, it's been Jordan Clarkson time, and I've been waiting for him to regress to the mean. But it's not happening because he's wide open, and he's making the shots when he's wide open. This is different from the Cleveland Jordan Clarkson. This is different than the Los Angeles Lakers Jordan Clarkson that was asked to go out there and create shots, make difficult shots all the time. Donovan Mitchell is like getting him open. He's making wide open threes. And when he sees the ball go in, he does have the talent to score and create for others and create for himself. And when he's vibing and he's in the zone, they start going in. Okay. If you get open shots, it doesn't matter how they go in. You just get your mentality of, Oh, I'm two for two. I'm, I'm in the zone. I'm feeling it. Jordan Clarkson has become that. So your question was, could they beat the Clippers? If, if this bench is able to continue performing that the way that they are, absolutely they can be competitive because they got a star. But if Kawhi Leonard is going to be out there and shut down Donovan Mitchell, because we have to give Kawhi Leonard that credit, who are we going to? Who are the Utah Jazz going to as the secondary scoring option on this team? Without Bogdanovich out there, who's creating for others? It's not Ingles. It's not Royce O'Neal as much as we love him. It's not Rudy Gobert. It's going to have to be Jordan Clarkson. My, it, I guess it Mike could Conley. be Mike Conley. It could be Mike Conley, but as Mike Conley, can he can he traverse the paint? Can he get open opportunities for others? Because he's been making his three point jump shot, right? To his credit, he's on this Fred Van Vliet. I just had a baby plant, and he's making everything he shoots. That's a good way to score points. But creating for others, it's going to fall on Jordan Clarkson if Donovan Mitchell is marooned on Kawhi Leonard Island. So can they do it? Sure. Will they do it? I don't think so, but this won't be a sweep. I think the Jazz will certainly make it competitive, and they have proved, even without one of their key players, that they can hang with the best teams in the league. Do we get at least one iconic Joe Ingles, Paul George, Kurt Buffel? I feel like, have they had beef in the past, too? I, I feel like they The OKC Joe, series? Yes. Okay, so good point. So Joe just finds a way to... He's he an irritant. He is an irritant. You guys saw what he was doing to Jamal Murray coming up the court when he got called for that loose ball foul, by the way. He was, like, pulling on his jersey, almost giving him, like, a purple nurple on the way up. And I'm just like, oh, my God. This, he's just he's pissing off Jamal Murray on purpose. And he, he, got, he got called for it. And that's kind of just what Joe Ingles does. So if anyone is going to bring up, like, a meme or if somebody is going gonna, is gonna to mention the Seth Curry madness with Callie Rivers and Paul George, I feel like it's going to be Joe Ingles just because – that's what Joe Ingles does. You need one of those guys on your team that can do the dirty work. And who's going to do that? Royce O'Neal's too nice. That's why we say something nice about Royce O'Neal. He's not going to be Royce O'Neal. It's got to be Joe Ingles. he got to be the guy. Someone's got to be Bruce Bowen. Someone's got to be Dennis Rodman. Every championship team has that guy. Someone's got to be Draymond Green. Joe Ingles, job is yours. New NBA host for FanDuel and SportsGrid. 
Rob Perez on utahjazz.com roundball roundup. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me, guys.